I'm Jonathan Polevsky, and it's my pleasure to interview Manuel Barueco for these podcasts. Okay, this is from Malcolm Watson in Scotland. Uh, he wants to ask you... Hi, Malcolm. <laughs> uh, I'd like to ask Manuel about his advice on practicing, including what technical work he thinks are most essential to do, and any tips on learning and maintaining repertoire. So let's start with advice on practicing, maybe. As far as technique, I mean, I think it is the uh, the basics. You know, I think it's the scales, arpeggios. Those two things are really, uh, really important. I also think practicing slurs are important in the guitar mm. because it also, not only does it serve actually making your slurs better, but it also strengthens your left hand. And I also do some exercises that, that Really, why it boils down to sort of like stretching sideways, and you know, but I think those are the uh, the basic things. Um, of course, how you do it is also important. If you're not doing something correctly, as you're practicing that incorrectly, it, it will create probably more problems than anything else. I think one general advice that I can give is to uh, not to push your hands to do something that they're not ready to do. You know, that will eventually create problems because the the hands will try to please you. You know, they will try to do things any way they can. You know, they push themselves and fall into bad habits. And, and that's, that's not a good thing. The usual scenario for 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 an injury, I think, is just that. It's usually, you know, doing much more repertoire than usual, stretching oneself to, uh, to doing a lot more practice without building up endurance. Maybe at the same time, one has changed uh, instruments to one that may be more difficult to play mm-hmm. and so on. And just today, speaking with uh, Jonathan Carney, who's the uh, concertmaster of the Baltimore Symphony here, you know, and they do such huge amounts of repertoire. You know, I was asking him, do you, for example, maybe once a year, take some time to look at your technique to make sure that it's not falling into bad habits? And he said, oh, I do that all the time, mm-hmm. you know. And when I, when I practice, I, I try to do that. I mean, I, uh, one of the um, biggest tools that I have is a big mirror in front of me. As I'm practicing, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking very often to see what my hands are doing. Because it's very easy to lose the form, especially when there's tension or pressure involved. You said uh, one time that you have a copy machine next to your uh, yeah, I do, yeah. uh, thing. And I think that's an interesting practice tool. Yeah, well, it has to do more with organization than anything else. You know, I mean, uh, I was telling a student just uh, yesterday in a lesson that that uh, what I do is if I have a lot of music to, to play, I mean, sometimes, I'll, not sometimes, I do this all the time, I'll, I'll pick for, from the program or whatever piece I am playing the, the, the real difficult spots, the, the spots that, that require special attention and a lot of practicing and repetition. And what I do is I copy those and make myself a folder of that, and and uh, so I can very quickly, very quickly go through that. Even even before a performance, sometimes I can take some of those papers and, and I can go right to it. It's a time saver, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you pr- do you practice in only one place at home? Normally, yes. Yeah. Uh, you have a particular place that you go, and that's where you work. Normally, yes. I mean, the only times that that I don't is. Um, for example, let's say I'm going to play a recital and I, and I want to go through it and play it as a recital and see what goes wrong. I may go to a different place then and sit somewhere and just play it. Mm-hmm. But when it is actually working, you know, that's where I have the uh, the metronome, mm-hmm. that's where I mm-hmm. have the pencils, and that's where I have everything and all the scores. So, so it's easier for me to go there. Now, Malcolm Watson also wants to know about your thoughts on securely memorizing new pieces. 
I think that would be interesting. Do you visualize uh, phrase by phrase or the entire piece in your mind before practicing, or do you prefer to practice from the score and then memorize the piece after you've learned it? Well, with the memory, I guess, I guess we're really working with uh, at least three memories, I guess. I guess there's that muscle memory, mm-hmm. just from the repetition, the muscular memory, auditory memory, mm-hmm. Uh, which I guess it is that you relate what you're hearing to uh, to what you're doing on the fingerboard and on the guitar, seeing your hand, and and the one and perhaps the most important one is just that rational memory. It's just making sure that that you have uh, the information in your head, and that's kind of like the most difficult because that's the one that that to work on it, you need to think, you need to concentrate. I remember reading in a piano book one time a simple phrase that I think is really important and he basically said don't practice any faster than you can think mm-hmm. so with the, with a conscious memory there are a lot of techniques that I use I mean one is practicing slowly by practicing slowly what you what you do is you break down that muscle memory and it allows you to think about everything that you're doing I compare it to for example just running through a room or walking through a room slowly and really taking a good look as to what's around and then being asked afterwards, what did you see? But when you run through it, probably didn't see very much. So that's one way, is uh, practicing slowly. Sometimes I do things like play the pieces like one fret up because it forces me to think about what I'm, forces me to think what, uh, what I'm doing. You begin to see patterns. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you begin to think, well, if this is the F, I need to play a B, where is the B? Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. so... Sometimes I, I throw the guitar out of tune and, and practice that way. And what that does is you cannot go any longer by what you hear, so you cannot really go by meso- muscle memory mm-hmm, so much mm-hmm. anymore. Uh, one that is also very helpful is just to do the right hand alone. Mm-hmm. And that's really helpful because it clarifies both the right and the left hand because what you do is you're looking at the left hand in your mind as, as you uh, do the right hand. So if it's not clear, you cannot you cannot really do it. But visualizing which is simply seeing what you're going to, to do in your head is perhaps perhaps the, the, uh, the um, I don't know if it's efficient or the most clear or the one that really, really gets the job done. I mean, I mean and, and basically what you're doing is without the instrument, you, uh, you play the piece in your head. And I don't mean the uh, I don't mean seeing the score. I mean seeing seeing yourself going through the piece, every motion, everything that you're doing. And then what happens is, if 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 there's any moment that you have a hesitation where the information is not clear, then you you have you have to fix it. You have to to remind yourself of what that is and, and realize that that's a weak spot in your memory. There are other other things also writing it down from memory. The visualizing also, by the way, going back to it, what is really really good not only because it really works but also you can do it while traveling but all these things if you look at all of them what they all do is is that they're going directly to your memory and breaking that that muscle memory a lot of this came from Aaron Shearer I'm sure at some point no the only thing that came from Shearer was, was the uh, was the actual visualizing right. all the other things That's that I think I just yeah that, 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 I mean the concept he what he taught me was the importance of working on the conscious memory that yes, and, mm-hmm. and but and the rest is yours. So you've well, sort what, of what it's what it's really mine is, and and I don't even know if it's mine or if I stole it someplace else. It's just the other techniques because what happens is what Shear was big on was was visualizing, and I learned that from him. 
but what what that doesn't take into account is is that you know this is the real world and and sometimes you just don't want to sit there and go through scores in your head. Some of the other techniques that I mentioned, for example, going a fret up, out of tune, and, and so on, not only are you checking the memory, but you're also exercising your hands. But I have to say very clearly, because I, I said it not very quickly, I did learn from him the importance of uh, of, of working on the, on the conscious memory. And one last thing that I think was maybe one of the greatest lessons I ever had that was from him. And what the lesson was, was that he made me memorize a very simple Caruli thing, or Giuliani, I forget what it was. It was just like two lines, something very simple. And I, I, I learned the, the, uh, this little exercise without the guitar. And it was only when I could go through the whole piece in my head that I then took the guitar and was able to play the piece from, from beginning to end, you know, without any mistakes. That showed me how clear the memory needs to be. So if one uses that as a goal, whenever we're working the memory on anything, that's what we're striving for, is for it to be, to be that clear. Do you find that students have different uh, abilities in this, that some just have, you know, it's a gift that they have, and others really have to struggle to work on it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think uh, uh, I've seen cases, for example, of, of, uh, of very talented players that, when they sit down to play, you know sooner or later there's going to be a memory block somewhere. And I don't know if it is because they don't work on it well, on the memory well, or if it's a lack of confidence, or they get distracted, or what it is. And then there are others that you know they're going to nail it. Mm-hmm. You know, that it's not going to be any memory Who problems. may not be as good a player, but they have that particular... Yeah, may, may not be, but, but, uh, but usually something that these people have, the ones that nail it, they usually work very hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Touche. Yeah. Uh, last question uh, from uh, Malcolm Watson. He also wants to know uh, what things you think most young guitarists should work on more than they usually do. In other words, uh, what are they maybe un- avoiding that they need to improve on and how to approach that? Yeah. Well, there is no set repertoire that, that I go through with students. Maybe, maybe there should be. I'm not sure. But usually what I do when I work with somebody, and usually... If not all, no, actually always the students that I work with are quite advanced, are very advanced. But the first thing that I do with them is uh, is I basically take their engine apart. I look at the technique, and uh, I look at the scales, I look at, uh, I look at their pages, you know, I look at the sitting, uh, I look at all these things, and, and I work on them and I make sure that they do it well. Now, if you happen to have somebody that comes in that's already doing all that well, I don't bother. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I don't, then I don't bother with it. But that's usually what I do, and and then the repertoire, I think, uh, I think it depends on what I feel may be good for them. I, I want to make sure that they they cover a, a variety of things, you know, during the time that we work together. I want to make sure they do something contemporary. I want to make sure they do some Bach as well. That that's essential. They do, do Bach as well. I want to make sure they do something that's romantic, you know, some of the classical, you know, to go through different styles. Obviously, you, you want to challenge them. Obviously, you want to do things that will challenge them to play scales, you know, to play arpeggios, to, if they're developing their, their techniques, you know. But I, I think also one needs to be careful that this challenge is, is, is not such that they will fall into bad habits. Right. It or has get, to be or reasonable. Be discouraged. Or discouraged. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, interesting. Okay. And the, and the last question from Malcolm Watson. What books or scores do you think are essential study for students to work from or read. Uh, do you have those, or, or is it really a case-by-case basis? 
I guess I guess I don't have that. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that doesn't mean that you know that anything goes. You know, for example, you know, it, it's important for me that they get a strong sense of style, even technically. For example, if they're playing something like like Tatriga or something, you know, uh, or Spanish romantic music, to me that that that's a, it's a different technique than it would be Soro Giuliani, different fingerings, different ideas of fingerings, but. No, I mean I, I I have certain favorite pieces, but it's a, it's a very advanced level. I mean I mean I I wish I, or maybe everybody maybe should should play the Chacon. Maybe they should work on the Chacon mm. at some point or another. But they have to do all their back before they do that. I mean they shouldn't jump into that. I mean right. or a piece like the Britain Nocturnal, you know, or or a big sonata, you know. I mean th- these are things that I want them to go through. But again, it could just be uh, it could just be at this level, you know, that, that I'm working with. Um, I, I am going to ask you about uh, metronomes and rhythm. Everyone should obviously have one. Yeah. Uh, how do you do? You use one? I assume metronome? you do. Yes. Oh yes. All the time. Well, it's not all the time. You know, a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think uh, it's very easy in the guitar to have bad rhythm. And, and in fact, I often joke in master classes. I always say that that we guitarists have the reputation of having bad rhythm. And I, and I tell you, the reason is because we have bad rhythm. You know, that's why. <laughs> And I think part of the reason why we have a bad rhythm is because we have a tradition of bad rhythm. But really, to be fair, the guitar is also a very difficult instrument to play as a solo instrument, and that will, will create rhythm problems. Usually, if not always, when, when there is a, a rhythm issue, there is a technical problem behind. So as you said, you know, the metronome keeps you honest, you know, the, the metronome is unfor- unforgiving, you know, so it will show you where you're staying behind, where you're moving forward, because the opposite, the opposite can also happen, that some fingerings can get away from you and go too fast, you know, so it's a way to, to remind you where the beat is and for us to find a way to, to find solutions. Also, you know, it, depending also on the music, to have a clear beat is, is essential. It's uh, it's almost like it's almost like our canvas, you know, to be well stretched. Of course, if we end up sounding metronomic, then we fail. I mean, that's going right. too far. Sure, sure. 